This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 260 brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service and iFanboy listeners like you.
and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 260. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello, everyone. And sitting in for a mysteriously absent Ron Richards' staff writer, Paul Montgomery. What could you possibly want this time? <laughs> I'm here. I, I picture that you had a, a little notebook full of, like, five to seven responses, and you didn't no, know no. what it was going to be, and then at the last moment you picked that one. I have to see what kind of tone you set, and then the response, you know, I was thinking, should I call them, uh, you know, Nick and Conrad this time, and do the, the funny thing where I forget their names, and oh. it's a different joke every time, but no, uh, so you're on the clock, let's go, comics. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Paul, at fanboy.com, we like comics, we read comics, every week we read a bunch of comics, one of us picks the best one, they write it on the website, we talk about it in the podcast, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest. It's a lot of fun. Before we get to the show, it's a quick reminder and a warning for you. This is a review show. There will be spoilers. So we, we talk about this week's books. If you haven't read your books yet, pause the show and come back. It'll be a lot more fun for you if you do. And this week, Josh had the pick. You're, you're not actually on a clock. You don't have to. You said hurry it up. So I'm, it just, I'm it was, hurrying it up. I don't want to anger you anymore. Wow, I'm being facetious. You're like a... You're like a mellow I'm out, guys. Just I'm scared. He's, just, he's back and forth. He's flipping and flopping. Ron doesn't bring this much pressure on us, Paul. <clears throat> he doesn't. What'd you pick, Josh? You know What'd why? Because Ron doesn't care anymore. And that's how I like to host a show. Some guys <laughs> who just don't care. I have too much care. When I... <laughs> I care. Oh, I have care all over me. I care. When I finished my books and I, and, I, and I got through American Vampire, I thought to myself, well, this must have been the pick of the week before. And I was surprised to find out that it had not been. I was kind of, you know, I was like, oh, that's, this was probably a pick. And it wasn't. So I was very happy. I thought, you know what? I think this has been a long time coming. This has been a very good series all along. There's all sorts of good things to say about it. But if you, if you look in my review, you will see that there's two kinds of books that, that are really good. The stuff that usually ends up as pick of the week. And usually, and, and one of them will be the kind that is doing something like, I've, I've never seen this before. This is crazy stuff. This something like Chew, I think, is a good example of that. And mm-hmm. then the other kind is something that is doing stuff that we have seen before, but just doing it very, very well. And American Vampire number eight was a really good example of that. Just sort of really good issue of comic books in so many different ways. We are at the third part of a I don't third part of this uh, arc. I don't know if it's a five or six part or whatever. But we're sort of right in the middle of it. And this arc is completely different than the one from the last the last arc in that like we've shifted time, it's a different place, there's different players involved. There's some of the same characters and obviously it's the same world. It's like but, ten years later. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it basically started over with the second arc completely. And the world that they've built in in this historical fiction setting is, is Las Vegas in 1935, I don't know, middle of the Depression, whatever. They're outside of Las Vegas building the Hoover Dam is sort of what's going on historically in the background. So that is all, you know, historically accurate on the money. Everything is the way it should be. But at the same time, you have this undercurrent of well, warring vampire factions who are taking their place in this both as scary vampires and also politically with their economic clout which is sort of an interesting way to do it. And then, so you've got this Chief McCogan guy, whose first name I just can't remember to save my life. Cash. Um, is it? It is? Okay. It's Cash something? It's Cash, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was a new character, and, and instantly, like, he's one of those characters I really like, too. Hard-bitten police guy. He wants to, he's trying to do the right thing. He's a good guy. His father died mysteriously, and he's trying to right wrongs and keep order in his town as things sort of spiral out of control. And, you know, the government agents show up, and they're like, it's vampires. And he's like, ah, I don't believe you. And there's a really nice moment in here where he very silently decides to go along with them. Like, he walks away from them in disgust. He's like, this, that's ridiculous. I'm not... And he gets a phone call and he just kind of turns around. He's like, all right, let's go. He just accepts it. Like, you know, he doesn't want to. 
fine. We'll, we'll just we'll just do it. Just really nice character stuff. There were some twists and things. I've, I don't really want to give away so much because I'm guessing this is something a lot of people are going to catch up on later. But there were some really n- nice things that happened in this that I didn't expect, especially one thing at the very end. For those of you who have been reading along, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a bunch of characters running around. We revisit Pearl, who was sort of the main character of the first arc, and she's been living quietly in seclusion yeah. up on a cabin, and, and some some hard-bitten vampire hunters show up, pointing guns at them. And, and After they have a picnic. It was, it, was, it was the cliffhanger at the last mm-hmm. issue, and she, she comes home, and she's having a picnic, and then there's some vampire killers. That's not nice. It's not, but it, it certainly set up, a, it set up a really nice sort of conversation and choice that she had to make, and I didn't know where it was going to go, and that's one of the things that I really like about this book is that so many times you can read something. It's very predictable right at the beginning to look at the clues and you sort of know where it's going to go. But I don't, I don't know what Pearl's going to do. And I didn't know what her husband was going to do. And I don't know what the vampires are going to do or any of that stuff. Pearl's a bit of a badass, so she could do anything. Yeah, and that's, that's what's kind of cool about it. And then at the same time, like all the vampire hunter killer guys, they're all kind of badass. And they're all related to the Stephen King story that was in the first. It's arc. all connected. It's actually the two stories are sort of funneled into this one story. The two. Yeah, the first this, arc, this issue read really it, it's two different stories in two different time periods. And this is both of them coming together. Yeah, this particular issue, everything all really comes together. It was really that, that when bringing Pearl in the very end of, of the, the last issue. But now that she's a part of the story, it's, it brings everything full circle from the first arc. And, it, and now you can kind of see where things are going. And uh, it's building a lot of cool momentum, too. It's just this wonderful confluence of all these great sort of character building choices and all this plot coming together just so elegantly and so nicely. It's, uh, it, was, it was really enjoyable. And then at the same time, you know, you, you know, not to discount the artist because Raphael Albuquerque, you know, on any other book that's what you'd be talking about and you'd be talking about how amazing it is so you've got these two things that are working so well together it's just a great comic book yeah it's it's one of the most beautifully written books on the shelves right now and one of the most beautiful all-around books with in terms of the art it's it's really nice to look at i mean it's really grisly but it's uh it's it's really nice though i think albuquerque really shines with the um demonic stuff. I mean, he does really good stuff all around. And also, he switches his style up a lot, which is exciting, but when the sort of more monstrous vampires show up at the end, there's some really nice work in the back. There's some very nice horror stuff. I mean, there's some very scary looking vampires. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does people well, but when the, mon- when the monsters come out of the people, then it's really when it yeah. gets kind of up a notch. Sometimes when regular people yell, <laughs> they look a little scary too. That's that's yeah. the only thing, but uh, but you know, when I mean, there's a clear difference between the the regular people and then the monsters. But and I also like that there's different kinds of vampires too. Yeah, that's, that's one that's of my favorite kind of things about it. Yeah. Cool thing. It's it's the evolution of the vampire, and, and American vampire is very much a thing. It's like a a new strain of the virus or whatever, and it's it's sort of like they're like Pokemon. There's different ways to take each of them out. They have different abilities and stuff. And, well, the vampire is always metaphor, and and I think that the vampire in this is a metaphor too for the American. European relationship in the early part of the century. I mean, the European vampires are very rich and old money and and austere, and they they've got class. and And the the American vampires are very sort of feral and and don't follow the rules. And they, you know, it, it's you can sort of see the similarity between the way that America and Europe got along at this time period, as in between the vampires. One last note, I, I guess we were talking about Albuquerque's art. Is that you're talking about the monsters? But one of the things that I really like about it, and respect, is that there are all these sort of just regular people here, and he he makes it, he makes a really nice effort to everybody's face is very distinguishable from one another. Like they're like he like you know how a lot of artists will just have like white male model face that they have, not even white, they'll just be male. This is you know 
and all of his guys look kind of different. Like some of them have broad faces and broad nose and big chin or a narrow face or something like that. So that was something I really appreciated as I was reading this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of those things, like there wasn't anything in this specifically that knocked my socks off, but just overall, I just thought it was a, it was a really great story. And, you know, eight issues in, it just keeps getting better. Like, and you can just see this story as it winds up and, and gets more tense and everything that's happening that like, it's just going to get better, I think. And so it makes me really excited to keep reading. It's like the Scorsese Oscar a little bit. It's kind of for the whole series, basically. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I think that the whole series has been sort of, you know, worthy of, of pick of the week status, I think. Definitely. But. I think a couple of times if I'd have had the pick, I would have picked it on at least one or two issues before. But, uh, you know, and that's not, this was a good issue, but it was like one of those workman issues. It's part three of the arc, you know, like it just did, it just did all the stuff really well. And I was, you know, like overall as a package, I don't think anything, nothing, obviously nothing beat it for me this week. All right. You have to defend yourself. Batman Return of Bruce Wayne, number six, the final issue of the arc, even though he's already returned. I like this whole saga. I think right now, we're going to talk about a bunch of Batman books this week, and I think right now the Batman universe has sort of returned to the top of the DCU in terms of quality. I think for a while, Green Lantern usurped that. But I think right now you've got about three or four books chugging along at full speed. And I really like this aspect of the miniseries was the very sort of Silver Agey aspect of comics that Grant Morrison likes. And I, I really liked that all the way through. There's a lot of big science things going on here and a lot of all kinds of different characters used. There's all kinds of different people show up and it's very much not the tone that of the other stuff so much, of the other Batman books so much as no. this is very big, goofy science superhero storytelling. I, I like. When it started off with the whole... I was a little lost at the beginning. I mean, I didn't really need to know where it had been. You know, like, I just was, I wasn't sure what the step was that had brought us to this weird Batman thing that he was for most of the issue. Oh, you mean the beginning of this issue? Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if that was because it was supposed to be that way or because I missed it or what. Well, in the, in the beginning, he, he's, he's summoned into the final uh, entropy point. Mm-hmm. So he, he appears out of the smoke in the, uh, in the big splash. Yeah. So that's where he shows up. And then he's infected with the technology and turned into a sort of half robot. Well, and, and but I guess the point being, like, I, after I kind of was like, just sort of, I was like, ah, I missed something or whatever. Like, I just sort of accepted it and went on with it. And then it was interesting on its own. I didn't, yep. I didn't need to fill that part. Obviously, the most compelling thing about this, I think, would have been the Tim-Batman relationship. You know, I won't leave him. You know, he's the one who stands there and is, is going to take care of everything. And I'm not going to lie... You get to that page, you know, where the, the bell's still ringing. I'm not done yet. While Gotham City needs Batman, not till the night's over, and he stands there. And I, right now, gave me chills. I'm not kidding. It's a good ending. I think. I think it really built to the point where there needs to be a Batman, and that's kind of the whole point of the of the miniseries. And the thing is, if you're following the Batman story, you didn't need to read this mini. I mean, you know, he was gone. And he came back. And that's, you don't really need to know. This is sort of filling in. It's a nice sort of side story. It's like a fun. Yeah, it's a fun trip through the more goofy aspects of the DCU. And, you know, the whole thing is he's got the Omega energy in him. He's trying to get it out. And he he can't be fully back till, he, till he's got it out. And But but in releasing it, he'll also destroy the universe. And they've got to figure out a way to save him without doing all that. And then at the end, he's back. And and it was a, it was a really nice page, you know, not till the night's over. And it was really, it was, I mean, it's basic as hell. I, I was, I'm reading it. I'm going, I don't know why this is making me feel something visceral. But it is. And I found that that's that's really interesting to me. And we're going to talk a bit more about the Tim to Bruce relationship later on, but I think that's one of the stronger things. I mean, he has a unique relationship with all the Robins, but Tim's been around so long, and it, and it's it's been such a much more explored in the modern world. I mean, 
him and Dick weren't never really partners in the modern age of comics, so they were, that relationship never really got explored in the same sort of depth as the Tim Batman one. It's a really strong one, so I think that really helped the issue along. He was the one keeping the Justice League from killing Batman. He was the one who was like, no, we're going to save him. We're not going to let him die. And, you know, That was a really strong father-son ideal between the two of them. A little shout-out for Lee Garbett, too, who really stepped it up on art in this issue. It's amazing looking. Yeah, I liked it. I like this stuff a lot. Yeah. Most recently known from, from Batgirl, and I think this is even better than that. I mean, just looking at the page with the Time Warriors or whatever they were, you know, Superman, uh, Hal, and Booster, and, and it just really nice looking pencils on here. Boy, Hal is mean to Booster. Yes, he is. Like Hal's a jerk. It's kind of the running gag. It happens in all the things. Everybody's mean to Booster because he hasn't done much to earn their respect. He's the secret hero, remember, from his, his book? Nobody knows he's a good guy. Yep. Yeah. Now, when Josh and I went to the comic store this week, the early prediction was two <coughs> fifteen would be the pick of the week. That was the sort of off-the-rack prediction. Yeah, yeah. It's almost the case, too. I could have made a case for it. I could have written that. I could have done that. Starting off right away with a fantastic cover, really fantastic cover. Fold out. And what they've done with Chu, A, there's this little short segment at the beginning of Mason Savoy eating, and I was like, I've never seen this before. It's basically every bite he takes... You know, you sort of start to see he's eating John Chu's ear, I believe. And so he's yep. seeing what happens. You know, he's like seeing Chu's story go on. It, it, it was just it was just really interestingly done. With every bite more and more and more, he, he sees more and more. It was I think that's the thing we keep saying with Chu every time is that with every issue, they, they do something that you've never seen in comics before, or at least a way as to telling stories in comics we haven't really seen. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the best things you can say about the book is it's really, really innovative. Absolutely, and not in a hacky way. In a, like, like it's not like they have come up with a gimmick every time. I'm like, that is interesting, and it works. It's both very good. So then the second part of the book is Thanksgiving at uh, Tony Chu's house, and it was it was really interesting because it's just this other facet of the character that they're opening up. I was definitely interested because why do his two why does his brother and sister hate him so much? Why everything is just kind of strange? And is <laughs> for example, while he's there, his brother Chow Chu has him served with a lawsuit yeah. while he's in the other room. I think this was a solid issue. I didn't love it as much as the other ones. I, I think it, it was more interesting than great. It was good. I, I think it was another showcase of Rob Guillory's art more than the story, but it was... Big reveal at the end. Yeah, there was a big reveal at the end, and now you've got more questions, and you've got, besides the big reveal, there's also the big question that's going to, I guess, lead us to the next thing, whatever that is in the sky, who that, knows. But. That last page is really well drawn. I just am looking through it now, and I didn't notice what happened with their hands. Yeah. That's just just little touches. Like you really got to read it. You've got to read this carefully. And it's one of those things. Like if you read it, you didn't. And if I bet if you, if you were to go back and read it again, you'll find something more every time. It'll get a little bit better, which is neat. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it as much, but that's not saying much because it's such a great book. Now, Paul, interesting thing about Batgirl fifteen was Lee Garbett, who drew Return of Bruce Wayne, he was the artist, and now it's Dustin Gwynn. Yes. What did you think of the art change? I think it. I, I I wasn't sure what to expect, but I think Brian Q. Miller did. You know, made a really good choice of uh, showcasing Gwen's like little mini characters, like cartooning style in the beginning. Yep. You know that that whole history of the uh, the Bat Family, which you can see it all over the website this week. Um, it's uh, it's in a preview in an interview I did earlier, and uh, it's just a like a really funny tongue in cheek way of telling the Batman story. But I didn't know what it would be like after that section when it goes to his regular style. And I think he sort of bridged the gap between his usual style and what Lee Garbett was doing. It didn't feel so jarring to me. I I, I was pretty happy with it. I, I mean, I liked Lee Garbett on it, and I, I like Gwen's normal style. But this is somewhere in the middle i think and it worked yeah for the most part the first time i saw stephanie i went that's not her 
you know, Lee Garbett's sort of defined her look for That's so true. for so long. So it took me a couple of pages to sort of get used to the new way of. I mean, it's not totally new. She's still a blonde girl, but just the the face is slightly different. So it just got, took me a while. I think Especially I was the, uh, the, uh, the first time you see her, she's got these heavy cheekbones. Mm, yeah, I, I think I was I was expecting something really <laughs> drastically different. So. Given my expectations, I think it wasn't as different as I thought it would be. So I was happy with it. But what's weird about it is, as you said, Lee Garbett really sort of defined her look. And this feels like sort of a creator-owned kind of book because yeah. it's setting up this character who's been around for a while. And before Brian K. Miller was working at DC. Long but, while. She's long while, yeah. Okay. But um, it just it did feel so new and, and fresh and vibrant and everything. And uh, it's like I'm describing a feminine hygiene product. But no, it's, <laughs> it's really... No, it's, He's it's, given it's, Stephanie much more personality than she's ever had. And I've always liked the character. I liked her when she was spoiler, but... She's much more likable now. Brian Q. Miller's turned her into one of my favorite characters in comics. She's very charming. You want, yeah. you, you want to be around her. What's it's interesting like, is that when she came back, like it was like it was, it was kind of kind of felt like it was going to be a groaner, mm-hmm. right? Because it was like because uh, it, it was out of nowhere and it was like unnecessary. I guess it was just like what what are you doing this? You're doing other stuff right now. You don't have to do this, but it's yeah, worked no, out. It's worked out really well. It's one of the best Batman books. One of the best DC books. Yeah, it feels like, you know, sort of old school Spider-Man when it's 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 a real like teenager. I mean, she's in she's in college, but you know, like a real kid with real real problems and then also juggling that with superhero stuff. I love the relationship between her and Barbara Gordon, who's in the Oracle role and they banter back and forth and it's not the annoying kind of banter. It, it's really organic and it's nice that they're they're friendly with each other and Proxy's a nice addition too. And you know, Proxy might have a more prominent role with this whole death of Oracle thing coming up. We'll have to see. But I, I just I love this book so much. It's so much fun. And I, I reviewed it this week, so you can check it out on the site. You know who else is going to die? Spider-Man. Speaking I've of death of. i of this. Yeah, there's a week where this doesn't come out. No. Jeez. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 648, which is the first issue of the new Big Time, Big Time. Paradigm. And this is like a 64-page issue or something. So Step silly. right up. It, it's a thick book. Um, Big Time. New creative team, Dan Slott, Humberto Ramos on so art. And, <laughs> okay, you my hype man? You'll hardly believe it. <laughs> so big. Um, well, you can't I, see it, but I'm dancing around like that extra guy from the Mighty Mighty awesome. Boss Tones. You in the green hat, we're going streaking. Big time. Uh, I, really, <laughs> I didn't know what to think of this one. Paul, I know you read this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was fine because I don't I don't usually read Amazing Spider-Man because it's just yeah. like it's out all the time and it's crazy. But I was like, I'll go this shot. It's it's going to be focused. It's you know it's one one writer and everything. And I like the second half more than the first half. It's a yes. big it's a big substantial book. I like and it, it, part of it's Ramos's art. I like Ramos on this is interesting. I, I, and I wasn't expecting this. I like Ramos on Peter uh, Peter Parker stuff. Yeah, the civilian stuff more so than the Avengers. And then I just and I also the Spider-Man banter was up pretty high, and there was some snooky. Yeah, references well, this, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I like Dan Slott, but of all the guys that did Spider-Man in the brand new day, he was my, probably my least favorite of the writers. And he can be overly jokey, and when you when you pair him with a character who's jokey, it sort of turns up to eleven. And yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a yeah. lot of characters on those pages. It's all the Avengers plus Black Cat, and then the Sinister Six is in there. And the Fantastic Four. A I mean, lot. I understand why you wanted to show all the stuff that Spider-Man involved with he's, big time he's with big the, time. on the avengers you know Ooh, Fantastic yeah. four are always around black cat it was a good way of showing all the characters that his life is touching and then in the second half he finds a job with some apple-esque science think tank and he is now paid an exorbitant amount of money to be in this think tank because he's super smart which i don't mind because it's an area of spider-man's life that's never really explored he's never you know the scientist portion of it's uh it's sort of polar opposite of making him a high school teacher isn't it yeah 
Yeah. Interesting. He's kicked out of his apartment. He's got nowhere to go. He goes to all of his old friends and buddies, and nobody wants to let him live there. So finally, he's he goes home, and through uh, J. Jonah Jameson's wife, right. he gets a job at this super think tank. That'll be interesting. And plus, of course, there's possible nefarious things going on there, and Kingpin's got an inside person there. And I don't know. I, I just It was a little too jokey for me. I, like, I enjoyed it. I really like Umberto Ramos. But I didn't love it as much as I love previous issues. Clearly, last two, last his, week, his Spider-Man looks a little like Deadpool, the way he draws the eyes, because it's the eyes are a little narrower, and he's got the black around it, so it kind of looks like. So that's that's putting me off a little bit. But otherwise, you know, in summation, big time. <laughs> okay, Mayhem. big time. Mayhem. I, I thought that was fun. Yeah, but it was I don't fun. know. I didn't love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try out the next issue too, but I I, I really did like it, it's it's nice to see Peter Parker catch a break and I'd like Dan Slott just to tone down the jokiness by two notches. No more Snooky. No I, more Snooky references. <laughs> Big time. I would like to read a text that Paul sent me two weeks ago. Yeah. Hellblazer, City of Demons. Cripes, I'm in love. Uh, <laughs> and I had this dramatic read. reading brought to you by yeah. Josh. Oh, he's not wrong though. The last so issue, gorgeous. the last issue was a tour de force, and then yeah. this one just sort of continued that in the same way. It wasn't sort of as shocking because the last one, um, really, like I was like, oh, <laughs> but never has recycling been so gruesome. Yes, really. this is still it, the story of the people doing bad things. There's a yeah. there's a bloodborne disease going around, and John is John is not patient zero actually. Nurgle is patient zero, but through him. Nurgle is a demon character who's you. You would probably remember him, Connor. I think. Nurgles. Nurgle was in a lot of the Garth Ennis stuff that you read. He's uh, one of the main demons who's out there to, to get. I think that was Garfield's cousin. Uh, Nurmal. Sensa. Yeah. For okay. Cute. Abu Dhabi. It's funny because I hate. I, if this was a movie, I wouldn't like because I don't tend to like gruesome horror movies or slashery kind of stuff. Sure. You love Saw though. Oh, man, never have I hated a movie more. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, as a comic book, it's just got a different kind of vibe going on. And, it's and so artful, and it's just, it's like, it's the, the, I mean, the writing is so good. I mean, it's like, if you're, like, an Anglophile, the language is so interesting, you yeah, know. It is. And, and, God, the art is so amazing. Sean Murphy on this. I mean, like, if you've read Joe the Barbarian, you might think he's good, but I think in this, he's even better. Just the, the horror art, and just the, the, when he gets to draw, like... I mean, he he does dynamic movement really good, and then he also does like those close-ups yeah. of Constantine's face, where it's just like so highly rendered. It's crazy, but it just it's so they're so beautiful. There's a page I really want from the second issue, the one where he's getting ready. It's all those close-ups of him, like you know, suiting up and yeah. combing his hair and lighting the cigarettes. It's, it's the, every page is amazing to look at. Yeah, and it's everything's just a little scratchy. It's almost like he did the That's, pages and then sort of like rubbed it on a table. Like yeah, it's just it's and it's got a nice texture to it, and it's done. There's all this dot pitch stuff and the production of it of how it's done, and it's it's really it's a wonder. I mean, I'm not gonna say that this is better than the regular ongoing series, but a it could have been part of the regular ongoing series, but b it's it's just as good. Like it's it's just like there's a there's like there's another it's a bonus arc of Hellblazer that's going on. And there's uh, something uh, that feels like it could be an OGN too. Like it's just it feels like it's chopped up into five pieces. Yeah, because it's not. There's not a big jump between each issue. It's, no, not really. It's all one ongoing story, and it's just this very grim, dark, horrifying story. I feel like this was done. I, this is total speculation, but I feel like this was done to be part of the ongoing series, and then it got 
bumped out of the way for some reason and it had been sitting around for a little bit and they were like well let's release it because murphy's got some heat on it yeah uh, and, and that's why it's this so it's got its own special banner i just hate to think of this getting lost in the cracks just because it's a mini or something but it's it's so good yeah definitely if you've i mean and, and I, I remember saying this if you thought about trying hellblazer at any point and i've given you more than enough reasons to try if you're ever thinking about it this is a really good place to get in with no again no prior necessary anything oh yeah yeah but no every issue so far has been has been a ton of fun it's a really great book listen friends <laughs> friends you like Big comic time. books we all like comic books we're all here because of comic books so why don't you head over to discount comic book service because they sell comic books the hell i think i want they have monthly specials up to 75% off. 75% off of comic books. 40% off all major publishers of comic books. That's like three-fifths off. It's a lot. We're not good at math here at iFanboy, but we're good at other things. Flat rate shipping of $5.95 <laughs> on all U.S. orders. Buy anything that listed in previews. <laughs> What's in previews? Comic books. What? Friends, comic books. Over 9,000 trade paperbacks are in stock. Trade paperbacks are just bigger comic books. That's 9,000 is more than six. That's like if you ate seven slices of a pizza and left one slice for the other guy. We are also not good at analogies here. And you took the pepperonis off that last slice, too. Right, but, like, Carl didn't eat any. You know what I mean? Track your orders online. Where is all the stuff available? Where, you might ask? DCBService.com. And you get the whole book, right? You don't just get, like... No, not even... Not even just trying to give me the cover and a couple of pages. It's the whole comic book. All of it. Crazy. Insane. Even the staples. I wanted to talk about the Thanos Imperative, which just ended. And, you know, there's a big question hanging in the air as to how much cosmic we have left if we're going to see more Nova or Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Not much. Who was that? You don't, you don't have to be so happy about it. Not happy about it. I, I enjoyed Nova a lot. I'm just saying. Not much. It wasn't even me. It was some high-pitched person that ran past. Okay. Well, so this was good. <laughs> this was... Um, it's our show, and he gets indignant. Listen... <laughs> It's, uh, it's called the Thanos Imperative, but it should be called the Thanos Exclamatory because there's a lot of excitement going on in this, this year this, comic This book. ended crazily, didn't it? Or this is that what this ended quite crazily, and um, can I, uh, could I do a little spoiler here? Yeah, the warning. Um, there is a, an ending to this if you're going to say that this is the end of Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy. Star-Lord and uh, Nova, uh, Nova Prime, both sort of sacrificed themselves and stayed behind in the Cancerverse as it imploded and closed up to keep, to, Thanos, to, yeah, to keep Thanos from getting out and going into the regular galaxy because death doth uh, burned him again. Oh, uh, you know, you never can trust those death women. You go she, back she to them. She came in, saved the day, and then he's like, okay, now we can be, we, we can, we can hook up, right? We can be, you know, we can be a thing. I can give you my varsity jacket and she's all just turns on him and, you know, shrugs him off and cold shoulder and, and uh, he starts like, just he loses it and Cancerverse is exploding. They beam out Rocket Raccoon, who looks kind of weird um, in this. He looks kind of like a gopher, but that's okay. And, you know, Nova and uh, Star Lord are left there. And now there is a monument to them in this big graveyard of cosmic heroes, Adam is, Warlock. Is and, Nova uh, on the Secret Avengers? That, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm, I, you know, I, so I guess this takes place before Secret Avengers, but there is an, there's or another. Or after issue. Secret Avengers. Yeah, I don't know. There is, yeah, yeah, after, sorry. There is a, an epilogue coming up. They're going to do Thanos Imperative Devastation. 
Is that um, another mini or is it a one shot? It's, I think it's just a one shot. And it's um, it's got the uh, Inhumans and uh, Silver Surfer and Gamora on the front and a screaming Thanos in the background. And it's just, I guess, all about the, the carpetbaggers after the Civil War there um, with uh, regard to the Thanos imperative event. There's a lot going on in these cosmic books. And it's a lot of like high science, sort of like the Return of Bruce Wayne last issue we were just talking about. Mm. But it's, uh, it's always fun. It's always interesting. Cancer versus a funny sounding word. Well, in all seriousness, I'm not. At yeah, all, yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all dancing in the grave. I, I enjoyed the books that I read of it. I believe, other than the, there's a Groot mini series coming out, right? A Groot and, and yes, Doctor Raccoon mini series. Yeah. As far other as no. Other than that, I believe this is this this brings to a close the the epic saga that Abnett and Lanning have been writing since November. Right, because because they're going to be doing Heroes for Hire, and they're uh, going to be doing other books that hopefully sell more. Yeah, and they're uh, with Iron Man and Thor. That's yeah. that was pretty cool. But yeah. you know, what? it was. It's been how many years? It's been a lot of years. It's been a pretty meaty sort of saga they put together. It's not a bad run. No. Yeah. I mean, so this. All. I mean, this might be just like you know the end for now. You know, maybe sometime they can come back to it. But it's a you know it's a, it's a nice solid ending, and uh, it was a lot of fun this event. So I recommend people check it out. If I could describe Knight and Squire in one word, number this would be issue number two. I would use delightful. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. I thought you were going to say English. English, yeah, but also be a word. I loved the first half of this book that took place in the tiny town that, yes. that Knight and Squire live in. And it, it, in the very English tradition, all of the delightful and charming English people that live in the town know the secret identities of Knight and Squire, but keep it to themselves. I mean, they all know that they, they all know that they got to go chase the bad guys, but they pretend they hide that, you know, they. Why don't you go get them, Squire? I mean, not Squire. I loved the second half of this because it was ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> I've That's never the, heard the clan of in England. A Morris man before, and I, I very much appreciated Paul Cornell's explanation in the end. Yeah, such <laughs> uh, a little back matter there. It really it was necessary. Yeah, because I read through it and I go, I liked it. I don't know what that was though, but a lot less than last issue. Last issue, actually, I, I, I had kind of a hard time with, but this one. It's was a sort of, Morris man, or sort of the sort of like like uh, white. Pride clansman dressed as the Hamburglar, basically. <laughs> kind of what that is. I loved this issue. Yeah, I right, loved it. It was, it was a very good time. It was yeah. fun. Uh, it was tons of fun. You know, you know who's cute? Squire. Yes. Which I was like, oh, look how you Hello. drew her. Her regular outfit's sort of wacky. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there you go. I um, liked this quite a bit. Boy, Paul, Paul Cornell did not shirk his responsibilities to British the hell out of this. No, no. <laughs> he, he certainly did not. Uh-uh. It's 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 slightly less British than the first one, but it's it's toned down a little bit. I don't know. Still, I think it's just different British. It was a British I more easily understood, at least. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, they have to sell some of them in America. <laughs> and and you know, oh god, you know who's a horrible human being? Who's horrible? Human Ryan Stegman. Yeah, he's pretty bad. That's what I'm saying. Wretched, uh, wretched person. He's a wretched, wretched person. But she Hulk's number one. <laughs> one of you talk because I didn't read it. You guys. Oh, is that what we're talking about? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was just saying bad things. You have the it. script, Paul. Yeah, she, no. She Hulk's is fantastic. She Hulk's is. I said this on Twitter. If you miss Amanda Connor on Power Girl, you should read She Hulk's. 
because Ryan Stegman's art looks very similar to that and, and very expressive in the same style as Amanda Connor on Power Girl. So this was a lot of fun. This is, I mean, at just as the new creative team on Hulk with Jeff Parker and Gabriel Hardman is my first time really reading the Hulk. This is my first time reading a She-Hulk book. Features uh, the regular She-Hulk and the Savage She-Hulk from the future. And she is now enrolled in high school. And they give her something that makes her not gamma infected and ter- like it's like a reverse the Savage Hulk thing. She-Hulk. The Savage She-Hulk, yes. So they, this is like Encino Man. Sure. All right. Then I'm down for that. Are you old people movies, whatever. Oh, I forgot. You're 12. That's right. Um, this, no, it's, this was at one point an ongoing, but now it's a mini, I think. Right. So what we're saying is not a lot of commitment. Yeah. But it's it's a gorgeous book. Every page is, is pretty beautiful. Every character on the page has their own personality and expression and they react to things that are going on they're just they're not just stock characters standing around it's just it's beautifully rendered and just a very nice book and very funny and it's sort of like savage she-hulk meets mean girls because there's some popular girls in the uh, in the high school that are not quite nice to her and they have pink hair some of them they blow bubble gum that's what teenage girls do that's that's horrible i went back in time for a second apologize right i went back in time okay you know what everybody was talking about on the internet this week? Thunder Agents. Boy, yeah. were they. Oh, goodness. Thunder Agents. Where did this guy, Nick Spencer, come from? I heard the Bendis boards, according to the comments on the review I wrote for iFanboy.com. Plug, plug. He's, and, and the interview with him by John Suntras at iFanboy.com. Yes, absolutely. Um, and... Uh, this is really interesting. I don't. This. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any history with the Thunder Agents as a comic. It's a. It's a Wally Wood comic from the mid to late '60s, I believe, and it went through uh, different legal things or different different people owned it, and I think Life Liefeld had control of it during the '90s for a little bit. But anyways, this is. It's basically. It feels like you know a creator-owned book, and it's it's about this UN team. It could not possibly matter what Thunder stands for, even though it's a big acronym. It doesn't matter. What spider stands for either? They do stand for things, but it's completely ridiculous. And it's basically there. It's a UN team of superheroes, and these heroes are contracted to to get these powers. But the consequence is the powers will eventually kill them. So the question is, what kind of person would actually take on this role and and this like life sentence, basically? Um, and it's about their handlers and their their minders, sort of. And it it feels a lot like Checkmate. But it's a little bit more playful and fun. And this is very much a setup issue. So we don't even really get to meet the actual Thunder agents themselves so much. They actually die in this issue. So we're going to get some new ones coming in and take on those roles. It's basically like legacy characters uh, like Lightning and No Man and uh, Vulcan and, and Dynamo. And uh, different people take up these mantles as each one dies. And there's actually have, they have kill switches. It's like so the Dread Pirate Roberts. Exactly. It's exactly. You got that one. Yeah, I did. That's timeless. <laughs> so Nick Spencer's domination of comics in an issue. He's like Napoleon. Yeah, he's the Napoleon of okay, comics. I got to say, I'm not, I wasn't. I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Morning Glories. I tried the first issue, and I, I you know, I didn't really. It, it wasn't doing it for me. But this one, I, I, I wanted to see what I was missing, and this one really delivered. I thought it was, it was really thoughtfully plotted, and it, there's a lot of backstabbing, and there's double agents and triple agents, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I recommend checking it out. Well, folks, folks being Josh and Paul, yeah. <laughs> Red Robin 17 was my pick of the week. It was the best of the Batman books. It's sort of also the first official 
Batman Incorporated era book. It's got the little Batman Incorporated stamp on it, which I was surprised that Batgirl didn't have on the cover. But in this issue, Red Robin or Tim Drake is getting used to his new world with Batman back in it. And we see he goes to Hong Kong and he finds Cassandra, the, the old Batgirl. And he invites her back into the fold. He gives her the old costume and says they're getting the family back together and she should come back. And she's not sure, but she runs off with the costume. And then he uh, goes back home, hangs out with his old friends and realizes maybe he doesn't have time for his old friends because he's, he's a dropout who's running this big corporation. Is also now running a secret Batman corporation. And so he uh, – because the Batman Inc. was actually his idea originally. So he's not sure he's got time for his old life. And then he breaks out Lynx who's about to be deported and can't decide if she's going to be his new Catwoman. Then they make out on the roof. And then – Batman, Bruce Wayne shows up and they have a really nice moment where Bruce says, you know what? We never got to hug. And they hug. And it was really nice. Was it played awkward? Like Batman didn't know how to do it? He's like, no, because and he goes, um, the, one thing, the one thing that Gar- 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 Grant Morrison, this would be a totally different book if it was Garth Ennis. The one thing Grant Morrison said originally when he first came on Batman was he wanted to lighten up Batman a bit. And finally, we've gotten to that point. And actually, in one of the books, it might have been in this one, actually, said that Bruce came out of the whole experience more human. He's, I think they are, they said, not consumed by the shadows. So I think they're lightening Bruce up a bit. And this one he says, because he's his kid. He, he, he adopted, officially adopted Tim Drake earlier. And, you know, he, he's back from the dead. He didn't get to hug his son. So he gives him a hug and he says, let's go have fun. And they go swinging off into the night together. So I think they're going to make a bit more of an approachable Bruce Wayne going forward, which I'm really happy about. I'm really in favor of. And uh, it was just a really nice, this is the world. This is. Tim Drake's world. I think Tim Drake's going to be a really important part of Batman Incorporated because he's, he's sort of the mini-mogul Batman at this point, too. Just fantastic character stuff in this issue. Really, really happy about it. Very good. Besides what we care about stuff, we also like to talk to the, the users of iFanboy.com and see what they like to think. So we're going to check out a couple of user reviews. First one comes from Zombox, and he commented on Ultimate Thor number 2. He gave the story to 4 out of 5, and the art of 5 out of 5, and the pick of the week percentage on this one, quite high, 10.6%. Big time. Uh, <laughs> no, Sorry. Pacheco and Vines are tearing up the art in this book. Their character designs provide an elegance and austerity that befits the deific subject matter. Sly hints can be wrested from the backdrop and scenery, but the use of the layouts controls the pace magnificently. In tandem with Hickman's writing, which you simply want to devour with utmost expediency, they force you to revel in certain moments. Overall, the team combines to create an excellent Thor story that is reminiscent of Fraction's Ages of Thunder series of one-shots. Highly recommended for Thor fans and fans of excellent art. There were like 17 Thor books out this week. Yeah, there were a lot. And uh, I I bought the regular Thor book and I bought this. And this book just blows regular Thor out of the water. It Um, absolutely does. So much so that I think I'm I'm done with regular Thor. But this is fantastic. I wish this was the regular ongoing Thor book, even though it it couldn't really be because it's very much an ultimate book. But I love the Nazis gathering these frost demons together to fight Asgardians. And all the frost demons are wearing Nazi uniforms, even though they're giant frost demons. huge. Nazi like, uniform. who made those uniforms? They're the huge. Well, <laughs> I know, but I mean, who, who sewed them? They're for frost giants. They're probably 20 feet tall. But they're wearing well, the same clothes that the regular guys are wearing. camps. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really want to say who sewed them. But, <laughs> uh, but it's also brutal. They figure out a way to they attack uh, Asgard, and, and there's a brutal loss of one of the characters that's very famous. Gets shot in the forehead with an, with an arrow. And we find out a big, a big twist that in the Ultimate Universe... Baron Zemo is actually Loki. Yes, which was a, which was an interesting yeah. twist. So he pulls off the ma- purple mask to reveal Loki. What just this, like, what does this mean for the Ultimate Thunderbolt? Uh, just leave me alone. Just drop it. I'm sorry. It's a double blind. Oh, just like the idea of of Nazi frost giants trying to take control of a rainbow bridge. 
There's yeah. so much going on in that sentence. It's just... And the art's really, really good. He's right. Pacheco's a really good artist. Hickman's got that grandiose, big-time story feel that Thor needs big to time. have. It needs to feel... Oh, fuck, I'm doing it now. It needs to feel, like, majestic, and he has that feeling to his writing. And so it really works with Thor, and uh, I really enjoyed Ultimate Thor 2 a lot. It was really good. Moving on, William K. Scurry Jr., not senior. He likes different comics. Talked about G.I. Joe Origin number 21, gave the story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5. Pick the week percentage was a .44%. This is my favorite type of story IDW is doing with G.I. Joe right now. In-depth intrigue with Cobra, fleshing it out as an organization with constituent people and in so in so doing, humanizing vipers and snake leadership alike. Any chance to get a peek at the hierarchy of Cobra beneath the commander is a, jo- is a joy. And Dave Lapham nails the story and the and the viper M- Michael Monk in his laborious ascension within the vile ranks. Pick of the week material for sure. This was really good. It was really good. Dave Lapham wrote it, so that's that's the first thing to be commented on. <laughs> I I'm not I don't recall who the artist was, but the art was uh, the art was fantastic. It, it was it was some of the best art I've seen since Fuso left. Werther for real. His name is Werther Deladera. Yeah, he's uh, real good. Just gorgeous ass cover too. I feel like they've done this before, where they just sort of pick some guy in the ranks and they, they just follow him for an issue and how it came to be, and it is fascinating everybody has taken the tone that was set in gi joe cobra i feel like yeah it's and, bleeding into the this oh, book at least not so much the main book but this yeah. book for sure but it's it's it was it was good again i mean this this it literally was just a story of a guy being recruited as a grunt and his whole training process and how awful it is and then at the end he's becomes this sort of sociopathic killing machine even though you know he, he wasn't a bad guy to start with he was doing yeah. it to help his family you know but they screwed with him and messed with his head over and over again, and then it's just they they get him where they want him, and then you start thinking, well, they did this with a whole army of people. That's you know, but it. it and then you wonder why they can't ever hit anything with those laser guns. <laughs> you may be mixing up your cannons. Because I've been watching the cartoon on on the hub, and it's just <laughs> it's just blankets of fire from both sides. I've forgotten how much, and I just I nothing is hit. Nothing. It's just amazing. I figured the guns actually just didn't do anything. Like they were hitting everything, but it didn't matter because they they're were just they're just shooting l- benign, like light, benign light beams. That could be because just it's just cover fire from both sides. Just just you know, wall of fire. Nothing. Nothing happens. But maybe it's different in this world. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up. Speaking of the hub, Kevin Arnold is kind of a dick in retrospect. You're not taking us down this rabbit hole. Okay, go ahead. But Josh agrees with you. Okay. Oh, oh boy. Not only that, but he just like takes some action. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he's very mean to Paul, and Paul doesn't deserve. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, I'm Batman s- is the greatest show of all time. <laughs> he has a lesson for the kids in every episode. Stephen Keaton is the greatest dad in the history of TV fathers. All right, all right. Tell the people how to help. You can help by fanboy if you like what you're listening to, and you think, you know what? I, I wish that more of my comic book podcast would just devolve into big time. Uh, other kinds of things like this, then there's lots of ways to help keep this going. Uh, if you listen to the show or the podcast, or the, the interviews, the talks explodes, or any of the other stuff, go to the website. And you want to help support the place. It's it's basically more or less it's a listener supported endeavor. Viewer, you guys, members, you're all supporting it. A couple things you can do: you can click on the banners on the site. Those are the people who are supporting the site. So make sure you patronize them. You can go to fanboy.com/slash/amazon, and you can, especially with the holiday season coming up. And uh, it's very important. Yes. All the holiday shopping. 
shopping. So just bookmark that sort of go to go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon and, and there'll be like the little powered by Amazon button. Click on that and, and you know everything you buy through there will will give us a little something. Won't cost you anything. You'll just be doing good. You'll be keeping every year going. that's every year that spikes in the holiday season. We always appreciate it. Just it's, if you don't want to be a member, if the, honestly the, the second best way to help is to do all your hol- if you're going to use Amazon anyway, do your holiday shopping through there, our Amazon button. It really really helps. Definitely, we have some shirts left. Yep. There's the Fear Agent shirt. There is there's some power and responsibility, a couple of them. Yeah, there's going to be a – actually, there's going to be a post on iFanboy this week updating the shirts, the sizes, what's available. <laughs> We're bringing back the intern shirt. We brought out the stock that was at Jinx. Mm-hmm. We left the Revision 3. We brought them all out. So we're going to start selling those directly. So – Check out iFanboy. There's going to be a post about the shirts coming up. And then finally, as I said, it is a member supported endeavor, and we do try to make it worth it. But you know, the best way to help is to be a member, and we need the members. You guys literally keep things running, and and uh, so if you like it, know that we we very much appreciate it. But we definitely need that support. So you can become a member by paying four dollars a month, or forty two dollars a year, or ten dollars a month, or hundred dollars a year. And if you do that, you will get a little prize pack, which is uh, at the lower level will be some stickers and buttons and uh, a comic book. The comic book is really the fun part, to be honest with you. Oh. Some people got some bad ones this week, in this last go round. <laughs> and then the next uh, level up, you'll get a T-shirt as well. At least that's the myth. And actually, update people because yeah. we, we we fell a bit behind in the members packages after San Diego. It always happens, and I realized San Diego is months ago. But once you get into that hole, it's hard to dig yourself out. But just this week, two thirds of our backlog got packaged up and it's going out out in the mail. So you should be seeing stuff soon, unless you ordered a. Higher level membership, the shirts, we had to reorder some of the sizes, and that we finally put that order in, so that should be coming soon. So if, you, if you're ordering, or if you ordered a membership and it hasn't come yet, it should be on the way if you ordered a, if you ordered a lower level one, they're going to all be on the way soon. You'll get those about a week, I but the higher level ones are coming. Yeah, and we don't want people to think that we weren't, weren't thinking about it. Like, literally, we talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it, a slower it, process it, now to reorder stuff, that's it all. It weighs heavily on us. We want to make sure that you guys know you're appreciated. We, one of the things we do is we, we give out a lot of stuff to members. If you want to, if you want to win any of the stuff we've been giving out for months, uh, there's a slight hiatus in that right now, but more is coming. Trust us. There's, <laughs> I've seen the stack, dude. Uh, there's, there's stuff. So prizes get to the iFanboy members, but also, you know, you know, you're you're helping make it happen. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Moving back on to the show, Paul. Let's let's reach into the mailbag, shall we? Yay, mailbag. All right. Listener known only as John says, Y'all talked about getting pulled out of comics you're reading. Any reference to web shooters or Spuddy running out of fluid for them pulls me out. That he can do all the spider things and yet need these high school science kid inventions on his wrist to shoot webs. To me, the movies get this right. I couldn't believe the ultimate book kept him with shooters. Seems equivalent to Wolverine with strap-on claws or Ben Grimm zipping on a rock suit. Is there a detail from a character's heritage you feel should just be updated as truer than originally conceived and isn't shooters for an example? Well, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about your accent first. That it started with y'all. There was an apostrophe in there. All right, where was that supposed to be from? Huh? Where were you supposed to be? Southeastern uh, Arkansas. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, nailed it in one. Out, outside of Milburn. <laughs> Very good. Not a real place. I actually, um, I like the web sh- shooters, the inventions. I also, he's, he's referring to them as uh, high school science kid inventions. That's kind of a pretty advanced <laughs> high school yes. science project, really. Um, this, this falls into the great well of turning off your, you know, just uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and and really, is that the thing that's going to throw you off when it comes to Spider-Man? When you really analyze, you know, it's like one of those things. Like it's one of those deep dark holes. Like if you're going to sit there and pick the web shooters apart, everything falls apart. It's like I, I, love the, I like the web shooters because it says, you know, he's a world class genius. And yeah. 
it's not just about he got these powers and he lucked into it. It's he's also it's it's part of him too. It's his his Plus, intellect. It adds a dimension to it. He runs out of flu at the wrong time, or yeah. he, it's he's got an economic component. Find the money to get new blind new supply. I mean, I think it adds a really nice dimension to Spider Man. I wasn't a big fan of the organic web shooters, also, but not to the point where people freaked out. I also didn't really at the end of the day care that much. No, I, I don't either. But the the other thing is ultimately organic web shooters kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, like, like, that's really, creepy. but you know what? Like, I don't even feel like it comes up that much anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, it's just, he shoots webs. You know, what, what, whatever works in your mind, just tell yourself that. Again, Connor, you make your own continuity. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really I can't, matter. And I can't think of anything that, I mean, I'm sure there might be a character detail, but I'm trying to think. And nothing you know really me, jumps out at me. You know, it drives me nuts. High heels on superheroines. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. And I hate, uh, just every once in a while, the costumes are just like oh, that's come on, that doesn't even make sense. But the high heels are really a, like, the best example of it. That's, that's a good point. Idea. How do they run in those? How do they do anything in those? It's not. It's not good. You want like I love it when like they're going to be in combat boots or something like that. That would make sense. Like Batwoman, she's got combat boots on. Damn. Right. I, li- I like I like Flash with the the costume in the ring. That's cool, and I don't want that updated. How do the boot soles fit in there? Who cares? Tim particles. Wait, no. Wait. No. 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 <laughs> no. Zach writes in and says, I've been reading comics for about two years now, and during all this time, I've mostly been picking up superhero books from Marvel and DC on my pull list. As of recently, I had the sudden urge to read what other types of books out, were out there, and from there, I started reading Chew and The Walking Dead from Image Comics and Irredeemable. But now I came to the company of Vertigo, and I have no idea where to start. I already picked up and caught up a scalp after hearing both Josh and Connor constantly praising the book, and it was amazing. Now I know you guys hate questions like, what should I read? But I'm just dying to read more Vertigo, and I don't know where to start. So my question is, what do you think are some of the must-read and best books that Vertigo is publishing right now? So many choices. It's, they're, they're, they're doing pretty good right now. We talked about some of them on Red Robin. Episode. That is Absolutely. not Vertigo. Batgirl. I see where this is going. Let's go with Scott big time. Uh, City of Demons, the Hellblazer miniseries. Hellblazer uh, in general. It's a yeah, yeah, but but this in particular, it's a good place to start if you've never read Hellblazer either. Yeah. So I mean, you could dig back and read older stuff, but this is fine too, and it's only well, actually, let's let's just 30. say what let's uh, let's let's modify the question. What are the five best Vertigo books right oh, now? Scalped is Scalped. Well, Scalped is the best series being published right now, in okay. my opinion. So that American Vampire, one. American Vampire, hot on the heels of of Scalped. After that, I would love to tell you, and I am really definitely of the mindset that you can just jump into a lot of things, but I don't think that Fables or Jack of Fables are those kinds of series. Those you actually do need to probably read them more from the beginning. You'll get all- it's an epic story. Yeah. That means- Same thing with, I mean, the thing is you go right down a list and, you know, DMZ is wonderful, uh, but you should read it from the beginning. Northlanders is a Viking sort of book, on the other hand. You can sort of read arc. You can just read the arcs. Sure. One just ended or just began. I forget. The newest trade just came out. Yeah. So that's that's a really good one. I'm not so into iZombie, but a lot of people are, if, that, if that's your thing. iZombie is, is not too far along. Certainly a gorgeous book. Certainly. Certainly so. Yeah, and, and Hellblazer, which is – Hellblazer is really one of those things you can sort of start with at any time. That's that should do you. I feel like I'm forgetting a series. Make sure you go back and read Why the Last Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing about Vertigo is they're sort of – Swamp Thing, Sandman, all that stuff. Yeah, they're sort of timeless. Although Ver- Swamp Thing and Sandman weren't were originally Vertigo because they weren't around at the well. It's the roots. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, Unknown Soldier is another really good one mm-hmm. uh, to read sort of in trades. It just ended. Great, great trades. We, we talked about some of them on the video show, and I think there's a couple of written reviews of the trades. Losers is Vertigo, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. Jock. 
There's tons of stuff. I mean, like, like some of my favorite series of all time. We just did a show. We talked about Transmetropolitan. Lucifer by Mike Carey is another one. Unwritten. Unwritten. That's the other one. Unwritten. Yes. There you go. That's a pretty big one. That's the one I was thinking of. Uh, I mean, honestly, they're all really good series. Look up what they are. See which things interest you. They're different. Uh, they're the subject matter is all different, yeah. But you almost can't go wrong right now. Plus, there's the Vertigo crime books. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Vertigo stuff out there, actually. Yeah. Uh, Madame Xanadu's fun. Yeah. That's also ending, though. Got canceled. Uh, go back and get the first trade, though. That was fun. So that that's pretty – we pretty much just said everything. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we ticked off there all the. So there, there's a, there's a moral to the story there. It's 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 all pretty good. Yeah, you, yeah, just pick what you know hits your fancy and. All right. Well, if you have an email you want us to list all the books that somebody publishes, email <laughs> contact at ifanboy.com and we'll just we'll just start listing names. Just read Next week, Oni Press. So now <laughs> let's take a look at our voicemail. Big time. Our first, our first voicemail has a question about a writer we just talked about. Hey guys, Dave in Texas here. I saw that the trade for John Hickman's Red Mask for Mars just came out. Uh, I was curious if I wanted to try a John Hickman trade, uh, which one do you, would you recommend from his image work? The Nightly News, Pax Romana, Transhuman, or Red Mask for Mars? Which one did you think was best for somebody who's never done Hickman before? Thanks. That is a good question, Dave from Texas. And also the model of how to leave a voicemail. Yeah, we're, we're all impressed. Everyone learned from Dave. Which Jonathan Hickman image book should you read? I would say... I still think Nightly News is the best one. Probably as a cohesive sort of story and piece, yes. My favorite is Pax Romana, just because I, th- I think it's a wonderful idea. And I, I mean, they're all good. I'm just trying to pick, think what yeah. the best, if I only pick one. I enjoyed them all. I, I really like Transhuman a lot. I didn't love it. It was a little, I, and again, what's interesting about these books is that they're all very different. And yep. they all look kind of, the, they all, he said this actually, but they all look of a piece, I guess. But, but they're all very tonally different. Um, and so, like, you, you almost wouldn't know they were by the same guy in a way. I, I didn't love Transhuman, but I could see why you would. Like, it's good. Yeah. It was, I thought it was funny. That's what I liked about yeah. it. Transhuman was very documentary style, big science. A look at these two genetic engineering companies and what went wrong. Pax Romana was about time travel and, and all these issues with uh, nation a, building and, and, and society building. Transporting like. a modern army back to the time of Constantine. Yeah, to change history um, or save history. I don't remember which change, one. To ch- do, change to save it for the Catholic Church. Right. Red Master Mars was a space epic. Didn't and finish that though. No, the trade came out. I the believe. trade just came out. That finished the the last issues that were never published in issues. But and I read then, the first no. couple issues, but they were so far apart that I was like. Yeah, and then nightly news is a screed about modern media and politics, and I mean it just really depends on what your interest lies. If you're, you know, if you you hear these descriptions of which one sounds the most fun to you, you probably enjoy it because they're all good. I think even if they fall a little short, they're really interesting, ambitious experiments, and they're definitely worth reading. I, I find them also just from a sort of comic industry standpoint, is that just based on very little work, really a basis of work. Uh, Hickman is now a major player in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. which is kind of. I don't believe he's done with his indie work. I know this isn't a for sure thing, but I did hear some talk at one of the conventions I was at that he was looking at doing a new indie book. I, but, I, saw, I, I saw that today somewhere. Oh, and, and Shield kind of reads like one of them. Yes. And, you know. So he's got, a lot of, he's got a lot going. So he's got three series. Well, Ultimate Thor and Thor and, and Fantastic Shield. Four. Is there another one? Right. He's busy. Yeah. Uh, busy Secret Four. Warriors. Secret Wars is still going on. It's almost over, and yeah. Thor's a mini. But he's doing a lot. Of, he's got a lot of books out. He's a workhorse. That guy. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can send. You can call at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. And and Dave just did it good. Short to the point. Said his name. Good work. Practice in good front work. of a mirror. 
hey, we have other podcasts that we do besides this one. Recently, you will have seen the Talksplode conversation I did with Tony Moore, one of my favorite artists. I say things like that a lot, but he really is one of my favorite artists. Co-creator of The Walking Dead, co-creator of Fear Agent, Exterminators, Frankencastle, Ghost Rider with Jason Aaron, all these really great stories. Talked to him for a while about sort of his whole career and all, all those things that are going on. And then, so, so that will have popped up in your feed for this podcast. And then also... On Monday, we do the Don't Miss podcast, and Ron will be talking to Joe Kelly of Superman Batman number 78. I realize we also spoke about Superman Batman number 77, but different stories, different writers. Them's the way it goes with the Don't Miss. Um, And just to head off the emails so they don't happen, there was a sort of a new DC animated feature that came out this past week, the Superman Shazam short that collected all the short films that had a new short. We're not going to do a show on that. We might talk about it on the next one, but so... uh, DVD? Yeah, it came out on DVD. It collected yeah. the, 10 minutes? Well, the, the, the new short was 10 minutes. It collected all the old shorts that, that were... I think it was attached. 25 minutes. Well, yeah. What I'm saying is it wasn't a full-length movie. So it was a, it was a original 25-minute movie plus three shorts. So we're not going to do With like an additional minute for each of the sh- existing shorts. So yeah. it's, like, it's extended, but it's only by a minute. So it's a little annoying. Well, that's like 10% longer. So that's, that's not... No. It's just a longer look. Right, so we're not going to do a show on that. Most likely, the next movie that comes out, Author Superman, will talk about it uh, at the end. But uh, sure. just so the emails don't come in, because I know they will. Fair enough. Yep. And while you're at it, check out ifanboy.com for read Josh's Pick the Week review. You can also read his Book of the Month review for this month's Book of the Month, which I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go look, see what it is. And we're going to talk about that later in the month when it actually comes out. You can find all the in-depth discussion there. Paul writes a lot. Paul was a machine this week with the reviews and all kinds of fun articles. You can check out everybody, all the other great writers we have on iFanboy every day of the week. Plus, the word balloon from John Sanders comes out there. And you, we also have a video show that comes out every Wednesday, now back on TiVo, on the Roku box, on TiVo. Almost everywhere you can get it before, you can get it now. So, so go and watch. Last week, we talked about superheroes gone bad. And this week coming up, we interviewed Jerry Robinson, the legendary creator of The Joker, and he's, he's involved with an auction, some of his old original work. And we, we interviewed him, and we we're going to take a look at some Joker stories. And I have to say, he's auctioning off some very famous pieces, and to see them in person was quite a thing. Uh, being in the room with those pieces was, was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I didn't expect to be that awed by them, but yeah. as soon as I saw them, I went, oh... Yeah, definitely. So, so check that out next week. You'll see the pieces. You'll see the interview with Jerry Robinson. You'll see some some talk about some good Joker stories. So uh, yeah, check out. you can email us at contact at ifanboy dot com. You can leave a voicemail at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. With any questions, concerns, comments, discussion topics, what have you, things like that. If you like us, you can write a review for this show on iTunes or the video show or the Don't Miss podcast or anything like that. But that is how people find it, and every single one of them is a precious precious gift to us and we thank you better yet you know somebody who might enjoy the show or maybe you know we did an interview with somebody that somebody else likes to to, you know send it their way or or word balloon also you know those interview shows those are coming out like clockwork all the time too so uh if you can spread the word you know put the links on the twitter do all those things like a lot of you do so often we really appreciate it thank you all right Paul, do you have anything to say? Any more uh, recriminations or anything like that? No, just, uh, I'll, I'll plug the Walking Dead recaps we're doing. Um, oh, yes. Monday, if, oh. Every Monday morning, talk about the show. Having a good old time. Having a yabba-dabba-do time. And uh, looking forward to season two with all the the, thir- you know, the 13 episodes. So that we're going to be doing these for a while. So I will be uh, booked for every Sunday night until forever. Um, but then also um, check out the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast I do. Uh, we also talked about the, uh, the Walking Dead on there, me and my buddy Dave Acampo, and other comic stuff. There's a Scarlet episode in there. We talk about Black Sad and some crime comics. So Is he allowed to talk about this stuff on here? 
I guess. I don't want to get yelled at again, so I'm just going to let him no say whatever he wants. At this point. It's just kind of infringing. <laughs> yeah. Time. Check out Paul's podcast, and if you watch Walking Dead every Monday morning, there's a recap that Paul writes, and then we <laughs> talk about the show, so check it out. Big time. Big time. Big time. Big time. I kind of want to keep going, but... All right, well, until next week, I am Connor. I'm Paul. I am Josh, and I am Big Time. Big Time.